Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We dive into position battles for VGK, what the line combinations could look like for next season as well. It's all coming up ahead right here on Lockdown Golden Knights. Hi, everyone. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first lesson each and every day. Of course, make sure to check out and to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is Lockdown Golden Knights. On Twitter, I am at Tony Dasco. He's at TD Chris G collectively at Lockdown VGK and find us wherever you can find your podcast and make sure that you check out FanDuel. FanDuel's our sponsor today. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel. Get up to 10 times your first bet and bonus bets up to $200. Sign up today, FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. Our return, Chris, after the holiday weekend, we saw you had a blast. I got the only thing still. Yeah, same here. Uh, we saw you had a blast at the Speedway. You had <laughs> a lot of good family time. I really enjoyed uh, the video you sent out on those land boat races. That is so much fun. Yeah, no, it's it's a good time. It's something we do every year. And uh, they do like 10 or 11 races. They call it the Night of Fire. Starts with what they call skid plate racing. You ever seen skid plate racing? You know what that is? I have seen uh, skid plate So for those of you that, that, that don't or that didn't follow my Twitter, um, front wheel drive vehicles but instead of there being a tire on the back it's basically the rim and it's on a skid plate and (laughs) you add that plus banked turns and mayhem and oh yeah there's a lot of really good races there's some kids like like between 10 and 13 years old doing like 90 miles an hour on the track that's that just made me like uncomfortably happy in in some strange way but it was pretty (laughs) cool Little known Cardasco fact, okay, back in the 90s, before that track there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, before that mini oval was there, it was called Las Vegas Speedway Park. And I worked out there for two years. I worked everywhere, right? And I was the PA announcer out there when the Bush brothers were racing illegally, sort of, because they were underage and driving out there. All sorts of good fun. And can you say Sunday, Sunday, Sunday one time for us? No, none of that. We didn't do Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We were more like, I don't know, whatever I said. Okay, so we want to talk about some of the position battles uh, that we will probably see coming up in the fall camp. Um, What battles might we see for starters? Uh, What sort of battle will we see for Mr. Hawaii Five-0? That's Riley Smith, in case you saw that photo. (laughs) I know that you definitely, (laughs) I know you have a liking and probably perhaps uh, favoring Pavel Dorofeyev. Who will take his spot? Riley Smith? It depends on what the overall composition of that line is. Um, In short, if they're looking for skill, if they're looking for an offensive punch, I definitely see it being Pavel Dorofeyev. I think he's ready to make that next step. And I said this a million times on the pod already, but everyone got healthy down the stretch, right? Dorothea found his way into the lineup for the last 18 games or so because everyone was not healthy. Everyone got healthy, which is good. Obviously, Gold Knights win the Stanley Cup. We're not mad about that. But it would have been interesting to see what type of impact Pavel Dorothea would have had 
if everyone would not have been able to come back. Uh, nine points, 18 games, seven goals, including his first ever goal off of his shield, off the visor. So right place, right time. We like that. If they're looking for someone who's going to be a little more physical, maybe a little more, I don't know if responsible on the defensive side is the word because Paul Cotter, I don't think has that gear yet, but I think he's closer to being a better defensive player than Dorfiev is, if that makes sense. Um, if they're looking for a little more grit, a little more physicality, I think Paul Cotter gets the nod. He had 56 games played, I believe, last season. Um, not nearly as you know strong on a point-per-game basis, but he can score. He's really good on the breakaway when he gets that opportunity. Our shootout specialist as well. Um, it'll be interesting, but I think the nod goes to Dorofiev alongside of Carlson. I just see those two just clicking a lot better. Okay. Um, I also have a question about a battle, perhaps. Will it be one of these two players, uh, Dorofiev or Cotter, um, in a battle for Mark Stone's position? I mean, I don't know if he's going to play more than 50 games. Uh, this upcoming season, based on all those reports, right, of his uh, back injuries and the multiple surgeries that he's had. And so do you think uh, one or the other will be that standby for Stone's position as well? So that line currently, the Howden line, Tony, there you go. Uh, We got Stevenson, Howden, and we got Mark Stone. And what ultimately happens with that line assuming Mark Stone is not there. So Stevenson, Howden, that that would be tough if, if we're going to choose between Cotter and Dorofiev for that spot right there. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dorofiev is someone else there. It, someone it, it definitely else? could be someone else. I mean, you could bring up Nick Waugh from line four, you drop, and then you drop Nick, and then, then you drop uh, Brett Howden down to line four and bring up another winger or something like that. There's all sorts of different ways to go with that, but I'm simply just trying to take the perspective of Mark Stone is not there who plays with Stevenson and Howden, assuming those three stay together. And I feel like you need a, a Pavel Dorofeyev in that spot because you need the skill player that can score. Um, that line gets really heavy all of a sudden if Paul Cot- if it's Cotter, Howden, and Stevenson. I almost think Stevenson's skill is a little bit wasted. No no disrespect to Cotter and Howden. Just you, know, you need another skill player on that spot. And Mark Stone is that hybrid skill where he's – uniquely fast, but it doesn't look like he's moving his feet very fast and he can carry the puck really well and get, get to the dirty spots while being a good response. I mean, that's why he's our captain and, and making nine, whatever, whatever his contract is. It's a lot of money, but that's why he's who he is, I guess. And be very hard to replace too. The focal point of course, of the battles will be in net. There we go. I was waiting for this one. (laughs) Logan Thompson. Uh, I listened to the cam and strict, uh, podcast while driving around yesterday. Um, and John Gibson was, we'll get into him later on as well. Your car had a cassette player, Tony, but okay. It was on the cassette. And so, uh, he talked about, you know, just the competition between two goalies, of course. And we know that it does make them better. Um, he said that you always, he typically develops a good friendship. You push each other and you try to make each other better. And you also, take traits from each other again to try to help each other out for the better cause, I suppose. Yeah, the relationship between Hill and Logan Thompson, I got to get these names right. Someone already grilled me on YouTube for calling him Aiden Thompson and Logan Hill all the time. I get so screwed up with that. 
Um, but there's definitely going to be a battle, and those two are tight. There's nothing to indicate out there, nothing to indicate that there's any ill will between the two. I know Aiden Hill just got paid. Logan Thompson, I'm sure, is chomping at the bit because he's not even making a million dollars a year, where Aiden Hill's making almost $5 million a year. I get there could be some concern there, but at the end of the day, the second they put that jersey on and start that camp battle, I don't think any of that honestly matters between the two of them. I will beat this drum all the way until I prove you guys right and Cassidy proves me right. There is going to be a battle for training camp to see who's going to be the starter, air quotes, because honestly, I don't think there's going to be a starter when the dust settles. Assuming both goalies are healthy, and I think that's a large, uncomfortable assumption to make. I don't think both goalies will be healthy, but let's hope both goalies are healthy. If they are, I can see a 60-40, 55-45 type of split. I still am tilting that Logan Thompson gets more starts next season. Assuming both goalies are healthy, I say Logan Thompson gets more starts. Taking the health out of the equation, I think Logan Thompson still gets more starts because Aiden Hill, I question his health more than I question Logan Mm. Thompson right now. Yeah, that's real interesting. Uh, Any other position battles on the horizon uh, that you could see? I could see like the seventh defenseman being a battle. I mean, obviously we have Ben Hutton doing his thing back there, but Pahal and Korazak and even Miramanov will be knocking at the door. Um, whoever the 13th forward is going to end up being, which would be, you know, Cowder. I mean, listen, there's a, a path where Brett Howden could even draw, draw outs of this lineup as soon as day one. If all, if we do have a healthy stable of forwards, right? You know, Dorfiev and Cotter could both take Howden out. I mean, it's, it's possible Howden didn't have a great regular season. He actually, uh, regressed year over year, but those 10 points in the playoffs certainly, uh, made you forget about that a little bit more. And I'm curious what the final number is going to be for him. Um, as far as, cause he's been tendered his restricted free agents offer as Dorfiev has. I don't believe a deal has been made as of this morning. Um, Brett Howden is uh, arbit- arbitration eligible. This is my strong point, folks, apparently. Arbitration eligible. And I believe he has until today, Wednesday, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. local Vegas time to file for arbitration. If he doesn't, I assume that means they're going to make some type of deal. I don't know. Like, I don't know what happens at 2 o'clock our time if there's no contract signed, but no arbitration filed. Like, I wonder how that works out. But uh, either way, Howden and definitely Dorfeyev will get their contracts worked out much sooner than later. This is not going to be Nick Hague 2.0 as far as this dragging until game two of the regular season in the fall. Okay. Have we ever had an arbitration case here in Las Vegas? I know Carlson back in after season one, I think, or season two, was going headed for arbitration, and then VGK headed it off. and. You talked about Haig from last year. I, I think those are, might be the only two cases offhand that I could remember. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm literally just type doing a Google search right now. Colasar well, you know, actually went to arbitration last year. Really? I don't now he might that. have elected to go, but maybe they made a deal before that. Okay, yeah. So Colasar, hey Vegas hockey now, go figure. Keegan Colasar avoids arbitration signing. They all, yeah. Okay, we're, so we're, no we're, one. We were on. We were on top of that one. They've never got. <laughs> they've never gotten a, an arbitration case. I don't believe for some reason, and, and, and it's early, and this coffee is only half know. gone. No, hasn't no, set no. In yet, we all know out there. Please, comment. no. But I was going to say Nate yeah. Schmidt just came to my mind, and that was the first one. And now I just found his story in USA Today. 
after they claimed him. This is how we the Golden Knights announced an arbitrator's decision. So Nate Schmidt did end Schmidt. up going. Good. And that was, yeah. So, yes. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up next, we've got a look at what VGK line combinations could be looking like in the fall. We'll take a look next right here on Lockdown Golden Knights. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets, and that's up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, and you will land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you could spend on everything from the money line to over-unders, or we call them the totals here, to who you think is going to have that first home run. And it won't be Mike Trout because he's injured. Again, uh, all of this on the app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. That's a cool thing. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. We are back on Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen. And, hey, please go over to our YouTube page. If you have not subscribed yet, please do so. Everything's free across the board. Our podcast is free. Of course, YouTube is free as well. Um, my friends were out in Summerlin at Jing, that little restaurant there, uh, downtown Summerlin, right? Bruce Cassidy walks in. They buy him shots. So, are any of these players or coaching staff, they, none of them are paying for drinks, are they? They're not paying for drinks in this. I mean, they should never pay for a, a drink again. They should never pay for a drink, but you know, why they broke, of course, trying to feed drinks to Eichel. To well, Jack and Eichel. why are the common folk, I guess, the one give, putting the money up? Like they get so much of a benefit for these fellas. <laughs> and, and I mean, Foley even said this. Um, they're getting comped everywhere they go because obviously <laughs> it's good for business, you know. I mean, now because we just mentioned to our thousand or so people are going to watch on the YouTube side and about that many more on the audio side about this restaurant. So now everyone's going to be booking, uh, you said Jing it's called? Yeah, Jing. It's is a that nice spot. Asian food? Like, what is that? Honestly, I don't know. I've Fair enough. Okay. In there. I've gone in there. I've gone <laughs> to the bar with my drunk friends in there. This is like yeah. the scene in private parts when Howard Stern loses the copy and he talks about, oh, me and my family go to this business all the time. It's great. We love it. We 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 spend our summers there going, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets the copy handed to him and it turns out to be a funeral home. <laughs> That's go. what just happened there, folks. <laughs> Jing is not a funeral home. Let's be clear here. It's like a clubbish kind of a place from everything I Like recall. a blue martini? Sort of. Sort of. Okay. This is not again. This this not, this not is lower high, than my not ability on arbitration. High, uh, not as high on the desperation scale, if you will. It feels like July fifth, folks. Okay. <laughs> so, are we going to see? I was thinking about this after I was thinking about my friends buying booze for South Beach Bruce. Um, <laughs> are we going to see the same kind of scoring balance next season? Will this be a season of Jack Eichel stepping up? And being the Eichel that we thought he would be and that goal score of 80, 90, 100 points, will this be, will someone stand out, do you think, in this upcoming season? Jack Eichel was very close to being that player. I think 65 66. regular season, 60, 66. So he was 66 yeah. games played, 65 points then, or 64 points. points. 66. So 67. Okay. He was, he was just a tiny bit under a point per game. Either way. 
point being is Eichel was that person last season who was on pace for a point per game. Uh, the only issue, unfortunately, obviously, were injuries. And whatever the injury he suffered against that, it was a Saturday game against the Wings when he left. Mm. Like, that had him in a weird spot for the four or five games after that. He just didn't look right. And that's also, coincidentally, where his only stretch of the season where he went that long without logging a single goal or an assist. If he has even a mediocre stretch there, he's over a point-per-game player. So health is the first thing with Eichel. We saw him get you know thumped in the playoffs. He goes down, he gets back up and finishes the game. He did hit, suffer a couple different injuries during the regular season. I think both lower body, that slowed him down a little bit. But, I mean, that said, dude could play through a broken thumb. So if he's able to get out there, he's going to get out there. Uh, to answer your question, I mean, Eichel is going to be that guy. He's going to... Easily, I say easily, like it's an easy thing to do, but I think 85 points, 85 to 90 is definitely where we'll, you know, put him for next season. Hopefully he can stay on the ice for all 82 games. Um, you look at his points per game clip he was on in the playoffs. He was 25 points, 22 games, I think, if my math is correct. And those are the hardest games to play right there. You know, we're talking everyone stepping up, the other team's defense stepping up. Now, the Golden Knights scored at will. I mean, they scored so many goals in the playoffs. But the point being is Eichel certainly elevated his game. And there's nothing to suggest with a full season of Pavel. We didn't even get to uh, Dorf, not Dorofiev, um, the other guy. Ivan Barbashev, that guy, Barbashev. that guy, that guy, that guy. What's the ceiling for that line? In terms of scoring, in terms of just in in terms of what they could do together collectively, I'm I'm most excited. I think uh, to watching that line gel and growing, and I think even being more effective. To be quite honest with you, can that line collectively put up? Could it be a 200 point line? I think that's probably where he starts. I mean, let's you pencil 80 for Eichel. Another 120 points between Marcuso and Barbashev is not that unfathomable, is it? 160 and a hook. I'll, I'll take the over. I mean, you'll take the over. Injuries yeah. are the only thing that would slow that combination down of not hitting that number. Because if Michael gets 70, now you're telling me I got to get 90 points. Now, Barbashev is the question mark, right? He's only hit 60 points once in his career. Um, Marcuso is right around that, I think, all the time, if not even a little bit more. With just He's off a the 30 top of goal my head. score, 30 goals. And he's going to get plenty of of assists this year, too, probably more than he's ever had. Yeah, that's interesting. 178 and a hook. That's my number. Okay, okay. I just threw a random number out. Uh, The second line, I don't think – I think we talked about this at the start of last season as we're talking about line combination. Who's the second line officially? It's the Brett Howden line. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go with the Brett Howden line as number two. Um, More importantly is – I People just are remember right now. that that's the line as Mark Stone on it, folks. Just, I just remember clear. when they put Vegas Bjorn on the third line, and I felt as though he was absolutely miserable, and he kept chasing players. Remember, before they had him, they mixed up lines. Right last year, early in the season, he was on the third line, and he kept chasing players like Cotter, like Amadio. He kept chasing them all. They eventually. Uh, settled in. I don't know what he's going to be like with that. What type of player he'll be without the homie Riley Smith on on the right side of him? I just don't know. Uh, but that's a third line. I think he's a third liner now. I mean, it's 
we can slice this. However, you know, I think, yes, I think that line less than symbol, uh, you know, the, the Brett Howden line, or Mark Stone line, Janice Stevenson line. Um, I'm with you on that. Yes. Uh, how is Carlson going to react? I mean, I don't know. I just, just in my head, I see Carlson and Dorothy of clicking. I don't know why. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know why. I just see, I mean, Carlson, he can skate. He's a good skater. He's, a 200 foot player. He's really good on both sides of the ice. And Carlson did have a scoring touch in the playoffs, whether it was luck or not, Tony, he did have a scoring touch in the playoffs and having someone like Dorofiev who maybe, I mean, Riley Smith quietly was always going to get you 60, you know, 55, 60, 65 points. Um, was, is that going to happen as he, you know, comes into what being a 32 or 33 year old next season? At some point, there's going to be some level of decline, and that's where you have to hope someone like Dorofiev is on the upward uh, trajectory, who can catch and even maybe have a better season than Riley Smith. At least on, at least from the points total, you're not going to replace Riley Smith with anyone internally who's as responsible on both sides of the ice. There's going to be some regression there. Uh, the defensive pairings, I could see something happening. I think you sort of alluded to it a little bit. No, uh, Alec Martinez and Petrangelo, as we know. Um, McNabb and Theodore. Theodore was shaky at best throughout most of the playoffs, stayed at the end of the game. And uh, Haig and White Cloud have become good buddies. They were on the float uh, yesterday down in Summerlin, and they spoke to all the prospects and all that. I mean, it is about building relationships as well on and off the ice and knowing where the other defenseman is going to be and all that. But the chemistry, yes, is there. Uh, we know that they block shots. And last season, when was the last date? I'm trying to, I really was trying to dig last night when Cassidy uh, put the lines in a blender. He did it sort of later than we expected him to. He said, you know, I'm going to be mixing up lines and whatever in camp. Okay, great. And then all of a sudden it's no, it's November, December, January. Okay, and then, like, February, I think he was still mixing up the lines as well. But any changes there um, in the defensive core unit? I mean, I don't think so. Let's start with McCrimmon's quotes uh, from Nashville about, hey, you know, we're keeping our team together. We're not bringing anyone from the outside. We are fortunate enough to keep our lines, to keep our lineup almost completely intact. Of course, the Stanley Cup championship cost the team Riley Smith. No disrespect to to Hawaii 5.0 or... Hawaii 5.0. It should be Hawaii 1.9 because that's his number. He's number 19. Okay. Or is he 18? I don't care. No, 19. Who cares? 19. 19. Um, But line combinations, defense, back to the defense, defense, defense. Got off track, but we're back now. McCrimmon kept everything together, made the comments about about Stanley Cup winners don't often have the ability to keep as many of this, these, you know, their players together. It's not even about keeping the core together. The complementary pieces are there as well. Um, there's a very good chance the Golden Knights are going to field the exact same roster on the ice for day one that started game five of the Stanley Cup final. Of course, less Riley Smith and uh, someone else obviously will step up and take that spot right there. Going back to the defense, I don't see any changes happening. Just pretend for a second they want to trade Alec Martinez. What do you possibly get in return? The answer is not much. The hope is someone takes his entire salary and you move on. Future considerations. Yay, whoop-dee. 
Maybe if the Golden Knights are struggling in the season, maybe, I hope not. But if that does happen and there's not a path for him to qualify for the playoffs, I know we're talking worst case scenario, then sure, Alec Martinez becomes a real sexy uh, pickup for someone at the deadline. Uh, Braden McNabb, you can maybe say he has a little bit more stock, not much, but a little bit higher stock than Alec Martinez does just based on salary and age and could possibly fill a gap for someone if the Golden Knights are struggling and need to make some moves around the deadline to rebuild for the following year. But I hope that's not going to happen. I don't see that happening, but um, man, that would suck. <laughs> um, in the net, of course, uh, we know that the other guy we found out, of course, uh, VGK did not send out a release or anything on it. The other guy signed his qualifying offer, whatever that might be. So that is goalie number three. Um, so, I think still, it's that still, still concerns Bill, me. It's still not Thompson not that. and Yuri Patera. You have those three goalies. How uh, do I feel about those three goalies? Wait, was that the question? No, that no, I didn't ask a question. Oh, okay. I just said they'll have those three goalies to choose from in yeah. the goalie carousel. Yeah, you know, and I, I got grilled. <laughs> I had an article that actually did really well on Vegas Hockey Now, talking about my concerns for the goaltending position, and everyone's and like, "Oh, right. well." You look how the season turned out. You look at this. You look, sure, fine, whatever. It it worked out in most of our seasons as far as the goaltending situation goes. But we've never had this many questions about health coming into the beginning of a season. Last year, okay, fine. The Logan Thompson, Robin Leonard situation, yes. But we had Aiden Hill. We knew Aiden Hill was going to probably get 20, 25 games, which he got 27. Uh, Brossois, we knew at some point would come into the equation. We didn't have Jonathan Quick and Yuri Patera starting games on our bingo card, but we knew that at some point there were going to be three goalies, and we talked about that many times, many full segments in the show. What the heck are they going to do with their goalies once there's three of them? Well, now we know why they had those three goalies. Is Patera able to fill the type of role that Brossois did? Can that possibly happen? And everyone's going to say, oh, you know, Brossois wasn't, you know, that good. But, well, he was pretty good. He was pretty good once he got on the, on the NHL ice. Once helped they the team greatly. Top shelf on him. Yeah, exactly. But pretty, helped pretty the team greatly uh, in the playoffs. Uh, undefeated in, what, six, seven, eight starts in the regular season down the stretch. Whatever that number was. Can you count on Patera to fill that void? And the answer is no. Good point. Now, good can point. Patera prove us wrong? I hope he does. We all hope he does. But... There is much less goaltender depth going into this season, even though Aiden Hill had an awesome playoff and Logan Thompson, we don't know what either of their health situations are. Okay. A couple of things here. Number one, Elliot Friedman, you said that we don't anticipate any sort of changes. Uh, 32 thoughts over the past weekend said Alex DeBrinket, he had heard was coming to Vegas and then he heard he's not. And so that officially is dead. Uh, but I, I'm not there's, sure. I don't know if there's, I don't think there's meat on that bone, but kicking, Freeman, Freeman Sharp, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're kicking tires. And then Fine. another thing, they should. you talked about Larry Brossois, and he had some interesting quotes there. Of course, he just arrived back in the peg, and they were asking him about uh, what can we copy. Uh, we had an entire segment, maybe a show, about this being a copycat league, like most of professional sports is. Uh, what can they copy for... Uh, in terms of being successful from the locker room in Las Vegas. And he just said, uh, you know, you just you can't really focus on what happened to one team and then copy and paste to another. 
He said, I think that each team has its own identity, but I'd say you can take some pieces from there. Um, The one piece that was unique to Las Vegas, as he said, was how many guys, the core guys were part of that expansion draft. Um, So they have a very selfless, uh, they're not a very uh, cocky bunch as far as their demeanor. Everyone kind of felt like they were unwanted in the previous organizations. All of a sudden, they built a core uh, core group in Las Vegas, and then that leaked downhill to everyone else. And he just said, again, he went on, and he said that the team played for each other. You could see that in the amount of blocked shots that they had uh, this past season. So they got closer and stronger uh, with their relationships during the season, and that's how they did Guys aren't willing to block shots unless they really like each other. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in not so many words, he said you can't exactly replicate what happened. I mean, with that type of, you know, I mean, it, it's it's the culture. I mean, this goes back to my conversation with McPhee during season two at the first Night to Remember Gala when I simply asked him for a bit of career advice. That That was the question. Hey, I'm currently managing poker rooms in this town. Give me a piece of career advice. That was it. And he gave me a probably an eight-minute answer about culture. And it's no different whether you're running a professional sports franchise or a poker room or Dairy Queen or an insurance company or a Lowe's or a Home Depot or, you know, they can go on and on and on. It's about the culture. And these players ain't going to be blocking shots and caring about each other if the culture isn't positive. Okay, coming up next, uh, we've got updates on the Pacific Division teams. We'll take a, a glance, a look in at what they're up to right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Don't forget about our What the Friday feature, WTF, on this really short week. It's suddenly Wednesday, which is hard to believe. And, of course, check out the YouTube channel, Locked On Golden Knights, and please subscribe there. Updates around the Pacific Division, Chris. Uh, first, Dr. Frank Saravelli. Uh, reported that the goaltender, <laughs> John Gibson, wants a trade, saying no way that he would play for Anaheim again next season. Then that was refuted by his agent, and then Saravelli came back and had some receipts, if you will. He had some receipts about a previous instance when he was right, he was correct, about a coach that he had reported going to Arizona. It actually happened after the agent refuted that. So I listened uh, yesterday to the Cam and Strict podcast, and it was uh, John Gibson who they were interviewing. So it was a very frustrating season. Stopped short of saying that he demands a trade. But where's he going to go? He makes $6.4 million. He's a free agent in 2027. And they're not going to, especially right now and this offseason, next year perhaps, maybe, uh they're not going to sign those big salary deals across the league. Edmonton will take them or Toronto. <laughs> that That's the way it seems like the way things are going. But, right? you know, it's been known, and I say known pretty confidently, that Gibson's wanted out of Anaheim since the season ended. And then now this obviously has hit a boiling point, and you got the, the war of words happening with the agent and the player and the media, which, you know, those things never end well for anybody. Bloody sword in the back, Mark andre Fleury, Alan Walsh. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Who would sign him? I don't think he's going anywhere. You're you're talking a salary retention and Anaheim coughing up assets for it to happen, which I don't see them, you know, I don't know. 
very quietly under the radar. There are qualifying offers for two RFAs in Anaheim, Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers. And uh, Zegers only makes that $975,000 minimum, which is kind of hard to believe. Terry at about $1.5, and so they're trying to lock them down. Um, again, we don't know Anaheim. We're talking about them for a moment, uh, but they did pretty well in free agency. The defenseman, Robert Hack from Detroit, they just signed him. And then, of course, uh, your guy, Ratko Dudas. Everyone uses your quote that you got on Media awesome. Day, which is really fantastic. And they signed Alex Kalorn, uh from Tampa. Uh, I think they might have screwed up, though, by taking Leo Carlson or any Carlson for that fact over Adam Fantilli. Anaheim, I mean, they're they're quietly building, and I think they're the, the best of the rest as far as the teams who might at some point challenge the Golden Knights for the Pacific. Um, are is next year their time? I don't know if we're going to get that close yet, but they're building and they're building something special there that's going to be really, really tough to contend with probably around the 2025, 26 type of season when they're really going to be able to compete for at least the division crown. And listen, this is a team that could surprise people this year, bringing in Gudis, bringing in Kalorn with that core of Zegras, Jamie Drysdale, and Mason McTavish. You know, it's crazy. So Gibson, uh, they were talked to him three times this past season. He faced 50 or more shots, which is just absolutely unheard of. And so he has to be a pretty patient guy. He said uh, the good thing was that they had a good group of guys. They all got along and they're trying to win there. Uh, they should be a little bit better this upcoming season. Um, and it's going to be fun to see do this uh, four times. In a season for VGK. They're, they're, they're going to get you. It's, it, it's Gudis. It's Gudis. I don't want people to grill Did you. Did I say Gudis? What did I say? You, you said Gudis. You said okay. Gudis. I, I said I said Aiden Thompson. Okay. So Radko. <laughs> whatever. Uh, the Kings. He hate me. Good, he hate me. <laughs> the Kings did a good job filling some voids. Um, looking forward to seeing that second line work with the principals, um, Kevin Fiala and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think those are going to be that's going to be a fun line to watch. And Arthur Kaliev, I think, is the third uh, player on that line. The Kings, uh, well coached, Todd, Todd McClellan. He McClellan, I said the name wrong. Jeez, it's, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, folks. Todd McClellan is probably the best coach in the Pacific, besides Cassidy, obviously. Um, he's got a lot to work with. You're going to see that tough, you know, defensive style of play that's hard to get across the neutral zone with. And adding Pierre-Luc Dubois, now you got Fiala, you still got Kopitar, you still got Drew Doughty, uh, you got the youngsters in Byfield, you mentioned Arthur Kaliev, uh, Cam Talbot, another goalie to bring in, 35-year-old Cam Talbot, but, you know, another goalie to bring in who will hopefully, uh, yeah, they were signing Corpusala for $20 million, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, San Jose has been pretty interesting, or at least they've been active. Uh, they just signed Anthony Duclair. Um, and he'll be on the line with uh, Logan Couture and Barabanov. That's pretty interesting. Uh, some other depth pieces. So they brought in Ryan Carpenter. Uh, they got uh, Giovanni Smith, right, the winger, Kyle Burrows. And then they also re-signed a couple of their RFAs, Etu Makaniemi and then uh, Jacob uh, Peterson, uh, who last year closed out the season very well. Got an opportunity. I think he's going to stick there, uh, perhaps, and get a starting role as well. But I think that they're 
pretty active. And the, uh, the interesting thing to point out was the Mackenzie Blackwood uh, situation where uh, they weren't going to tender him an offer, and they finally did. And I think they overpaid him at the end of the day and could be the season where um, Thomas uh, Bordalo could break out. We haven't seen that. Bordalo, no, Eklund is another another yeah. fellow. I mean, listen, San Jose's on step two of a 47-step rebuild. We, we're, <laughs> we wasted too much time. Uh, well, real quick, Eric, just, Eric Carlson, though, still, no, again. They got to make a deal with that him. No, well, where, how? No one, they're signing these one-year deals. For not a lot of cap. There's a lot of tires being kicked. Um, Seattle really fast. I know we're up against the clock right now. Uh, got Kyler Yamamoto on the cheap. Maybe he'll develop to be a 50 point player like the, like he should be. Um, and then obviously signing Brian Dumoulin, uh, really going to help bring some consistency to the blue line. Seattle, in my opinion, they're, they're the, the biggest threat in the Pacific this year. Seattle is going to take another step forward. Um, LA is going to be good. Edmonton is Edmonton is Edmonton. They're, Edmonton is average outside of the power play and obviously the, the, the McDavid and dry Seidel boys. Yeah. And of course, Calgary is Calgary. Everyone wants out. Everyone, wants, everyone out. wants out. We thank everyone, especially all of our everydayers that tune in each and every day and listen to all of our craziness and mispronunciations and all of that. It was a rough day. It was a rough show. <laughs> <laughs> it's July so 5th, folks. It's July we're 5th. coming off the holiday from a man, Chris Golick. I'm Tony Cardasco. We'll see you again tomorrow on Thursday right here on Locked On Golden Knights.